here we are. Here we are in um, the centralist of parks. Central park. <laughs> the theme for one last thing this season is just us in various locations Actually together, together and not on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Before we start this week, we should say that we need something from you listeners. For once, we're asking for something from you that is not money, which is that we're doing an advice episode. So if you need advice from us, you can email one more thing podcast at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram and just ask us your question and we'll try and answer everything. Tell us whether or not you want your name to be in it also. We've already gotten some from some Patreons and it's going to be a really great episode. So don't be shy. Yeah, you can ask us anything. Nothing is off limits. And you know, you can use a burner email. We want to know who it's from. So let's start with Pose. I I feel like I say this every week. Um, I keep waiting for it to get bad and it just doesn't. I mean, okay, the writing this week was maybe the weakest it's been. However, the things that happened in the episode, I really loved. Here are some of my favorite lines from the episode. Okay. When the pre-Billy Porter, Billy Porter called MJ Little Orphan Annie in the 1982 flashback. I loved that. Oh, yeah. When MJ said, like, you want to be my mother? And the other mother went, no, I am your mother. Yeah. That made me cry. When India said, this is an A-B conversation, so see your way out. (laughs) That got me good. When (laughs) the nurse went into Electra's hospital room and was like, is now a good time? And Electra went, good time. More like about time. (laughs) That was funny. I think my favorite line from the episode that made me laugh out loud was when MJ walks into the hospital room and they start talking and then the nurse is like, is there gonna be a problem? And then she's like, no, this is just how she talks. MJ is really quickly growing on me as like this being a star vehicle for her. Totally. I wrote in my notes, Emmy for MJ. MJ for MJ, Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. Uh, I can't figure out like a snappy hashtag, but she should get an Emmy. Yeah, it's definitely being built around her which i didn't expect me neither looking at the, the first episode the scene where she found out that her mom was dead <laughs> so let's talk about that okay the thing that i was really excited about is that it was going to be a negative influence on her and so the at the end when her sister came with the cookbook i was a little let down because i me really too. wanted it to be sad yeah and then at the end i was like oh there's hope I didn't want to see that, but okay. And I also thought it would have been a good opportunity for them to talk about, like, if a queer person or any person has, like, a really toxic, like, abusive relationship with one or both of their parents, like, it's okay to, like, cut that person out of your life. Yeah. And, like, not look back. When the sister was like, oh, no, she did love you, and she talks about you all the time, and she felt bad about the things that happened between you two, I was like, no, I wanted this. Yeah, that was a cop-out to me. Especially since in the first episode, we saw that scene between the main guy and his parents that was so strong because it was so real, and then this was not. Yeah, my hope is that for the main guy, they'll, like, continue that thread of him being completely emancipated from his parents and like never having the sort of moment of coming back being like we were wrong that's also just not realistic for a lot of people who are in bad family situations and like get themselves out of them it's like not super realistic to be like and then one day my sister will come back and call me by my real name and will tell me that my parents loved me all along yeah the only realistic part of it was when how one family member was like I get it. Yeah, the only ally. Because I feel like that happens a lot, where, like, your immediate family is one way, but then there's, like, one extended part of your family that's like, I'm here for you, but, like, I'm also not your mom. Yeah. Can we talk about my 
favorite plot of the episode. Kate Mara, private investigator? Yes! <laughs> because you know that I love Kate Mara. I do know that. And when she got dressed, I was like, there's no way that she's not going to walk into that ball. My, my, I think my favorite line delivery of the episode was when the one girl was talking about her nose and was like, who is your doctor? Yeah. I was like, this is everything I've wanted. That scene to me was what I imagined Ryan Murphy's unaired Orange is the New Black pilot to be like. Ah. So one thing that I think is interesting, though, is it is episode six and that happened. Of eight. I'm very curious as to how long they think that this show will last because we are moving very quickly in the minds of like writers with characters. Yeah. My thought is that they probably were like not hedging any bets on this getting a second season and so they were gonna like wrap everything up at the end of the first season and maybe like leave a couple of threads to pull in the second season if they get one, which they absolutely should. But the thing about that is that it was left on like a cliffhanger of Kate Mara being like, I'm his wife and Angel being like, <gasps> cut to black. Next week's episode is gonna be like mostly about that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that episode was written and directed by Janet Mock. <laughs> you know, I don't trust Poppy. I do. But and when he didn't dust the shelf, <laughs> when she went up and, and swiped it, I was like, drugs. I bet it's drugs. And when she went in and was like, you didn't dust. I was like, and you're also selling drugs. <laughs> well, but I will say there were two moments this week where I confirmed that I am Poppy, which are the first was when they were all at the funeral and the family was like rude to MJ and he was like, I'll call someone. You need me to kill him? Like, <laughs> I'll get someone in here. They'll kill the whole family. And MJ was like, we're good. Thank you. And then <laughs> the second scene was when he was like, I love ground beef. You can put it into so many different <laughs> recipes, so many flavors. I was like, that's honestly true because I make ground beef for myself all the time. And I, I put it with onions. I put it with potatoes. I sometimes will make a burrito with it. Ground beef is a great addition to any recipe. I really do think so. It's really good to see some representation, finally. I did really like when Kate was like, fully not inviting him, was like, she, oh, I, I have a town car waiting. And he's like, great. <laughs> it's like, everyone's gonna freak. And I was like, no, she's saying that like, she needs to hurry up. That was also was very waiting. me for someone to be like, oh, I have a car waiting. Me to be like, awesome, cool. Where are we going? <laughs> Speaking of that... Ground beef? No, cis white people being represented in Pose. I think it was Angelica Ross. I could be mistweeting this. Was like, I'm so sick of like cis het people being upset that they're not being represented yeah. on Yeah, oh, I did see that, yeah. And know that when I read cis het as a word, I read it maybe a hundred times and was like, I do not know this <laughs> word. And then looked it up and then it was like, oh, it's, you know, cisgender heterosexual people. And I was like, oh! Looking at it just spelled out yeah, as like, like, I fully do not know what that is. And I'm sure that there are none of them in pose. But yeah, there are two of them in pose and they're both, or three, and they're all three. bad. I don't think Kate Mara is bad. Oh, there was a line that she said where I was like, what is going on with her character? Where she was like, I chose this life. Oh yeah. I'm not just like a dowdy housewife yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah, I was like, tell me more about that, Kate Mara. I want to know what she's got going on. What scheme is she pulling? Is she like doing a Catherine McPhee thing where she's just hitching her wagon to like a rich guy? Oh... <laughs> but speaking of that, James Vanderbeek, I think, needs to mind his fucking business. Can I tell you the gasp that I had when, and I thought about you, when they were like, Trump decided to join the yeah. meeting. And then he's like, oh shit, and runs to the meeting. I was like, I was oh, like, it's shit. coming, it's coming, it's happening, it's happening. And then when they're like, oh no, the meeting's over and he's gone. I was like, oh. Is Evan Peters trying to piss off his boss or not? I think he's because just I, looking out for number one. I like can't tell. If that bird gets any closer to us, I swear to God. <laughs> You get out of here. You get out of here. No, this is homophobic. Get away. Please go away. 
please go away. I think that Evan Peters, similar to me, just like gets that James Vanderbeek is a piece of shit and is like, <laughs> if I need to toss him aside, I will. But he also just like wants to get to the top. Every time that James Vanderbeek shows up, I'm like, I miss the bitch in the apartment 24. Me- Apartment 23, 23, but yeah, me too. <laughs> Anything else about Pose? Butch lesbian representation. Oh, oh yeah. When that shocking. happened, I was like, oh, clocked. Hello. Clocked immediately. The Ryan Murphy touch on this episode, that random scene in the middle where they were like, oh yeah, now these two houses are going to battle. And it was like the one house we knew because it was Angelica Ross and the like Janet Mock stand in. And then this random other house we've literally never heard of with <laughs> all these new characters. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I did really like the monologue that she had at the dinner where she was like, I have been a bitch yeah, and I I'm not like apologizing, that. but I am going to do this better. I was really happy about because that. Because they were really villainizing her for a while. And now I'm like, oh, I, I still stand you. I also really liked the short monologue that she had where she was like you pass you have all this money you like are not us yeah and i was like oh that's a really clever way of writing a point yeah i love this show me too (laughs) i'm so excited for sunday's episode like for janet mock to have written and directed it I'm excited because we all know that Ryan, just like Game of Thrones, has a really good second to last episode. That's true. Oh, and he gave it to Janet. God. Okay, on to the news of the week. Tessa Thompson. This actually happened last week. She, of course, decided to come out after we had posted our one last thing for that week. Like, that just feels rude, personally. And for homophobic. Her. Yeah, it's. It, I think it is homophobic for someone like her to come out after we've already recorded and posted our one last thing for the week. So I just, Tessa, if you're listening, I would like to, next time you decide to make an announcement like that, if you could do it on Wednesday afternoon, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, so two things from me about Tessa Thompson coming out. Okay. One, I love that she came out using Janelle. Yeah, when I she like was that. like, I think I run like along the same lines as Janelle Monet. I was like, okay, so what is it? Like, actually say it, please. Yeah. And then the second thing is, she came out around the same time that Marvel was like, we're gonna have some queer characters coming yeah, up that in the felt movies. Deliberate to me. And I was like, uh huh. I wonder what table reading happened. Yeah, where, truly. And who spoke up? <laughs> I thought it was cool that so she said what she didn't use a label. She said like I'm attracted to men and women. And then she was like, Janelle Monet is my person, and we vibrate on the same frequency and everyone was like they're dating and then she had to like publicly tweet and be like I didn't say we were dating I just said we're the same she was like shout out to the news media or the entertainment journalism for like misquoting me or whatever and I was like come on Tessa, she had to have known how that would be taken yeah you know if I were dating someone and I didn't want people to like think that we were dating I wouldn't come out by being like so I'm attracted to men and women and this woman who I've long been rumored to be in a relationship with is my person and we vibrate on the same frequency (laughs) I would just say like I'm attracted to men and women and I'm not in a relationship done that to me is what's frustrating about this whole situation because for our listeners who don't know somehow I'm very invested in the Tessa Thompson Janelle Monet saga but it to me is annoying I would love for either of them to just be like we're not dating right or to be like, we are dating. Because the more they're like, we vibrate on the same frequency, but that doesn't mean we're dating. Ooh, like that to me is just like annoying and frustrating. It would be so cool if these two really high profile people were like, yes, we are in a relationship. Or even if they were like, no, we're not in a relationship. Actively. Yeah. I think you're the frequency. I'm the frequency that they both vibrate on. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so Tom Daly and his husband Lance have... <laughs> A baby. His husband's name is Dustin. Dustin Lance Black. (laughs) Have a baby named Robert. How does it feel? I can't believe I have two hot daddies. (laughs) However, I just have a little thing to share about them because not everyone loves it. Oh, yeah. 
Isn't there like a whole thing about how people are like, you shouldn't be renting women's Yes, womb? they have chosen this couple with this baby. Like, this is not a new thing. Gay couple <laughs> using a surrogate Tom to Daly have a baby. Tom Daly and Lance Black are the first two people to ever adopt a child via surrogacy. There is a whole organization that is comparing what happened with them, you know, what happened being just the surrogacy to The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, okay, I see the parallels. However, you're forgetting the entire context. Oh, my God. Let's just flip through this. Someone tweeted, Tom Daly and his husband have had a son. Obviously fell out of their fucking ass. The liberals told me we'd end up in a Handmaid's Tale type scenario where women were used as breeding stock for men. Oh, my God. It's astonishing Twitter has been full of outrage about children being taken from their mothers on the Mexican border. But when Tom Daly and Dustin Lance Black Stop. take a baby from its mother, everyone says how wonderful it is. Shut the fuck up. To which I say, I, I, I. <laughs> I love when people try to disguise homophobia as feminism. So this was all on this site called Mumsnet. No. Which is apparently like a mommy Facebook, <laughs> I guess. Like a community page where That's like so... moms going through pregnancy can talk, which like, great. God damn it. <laughs> I will say Mumsnet has removed all Good. like posts about it. Took them a little bit, but they did. Mumsnet and... sounds like a great dating app for lesbians a lot of users were mainly mad that they never mentioned the mother in any of their announcements about the baby okay one you don't know if that was on purpose or yeah. not the mom could have been like no the mom could have also been someone that they know i'm sure the mom was their friend it also very well could have been a surrogate that they found through an agency which is totally fine also didn't kim kardashian have a child via surrogate i don't remember well don't famous people was... all the time have children didn't via Beyonce? surrogate isn't, no, isn't no, blue. that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, right, right. Um, okay, I hadn't heard about this until right now, but what I love about <laughs> it, A... The fact that people are being like, this woman should have agency, and then are by creating this controversy, fully robbing her of agency. Mm -hmm. This whole thing of them being like, they ripped the child from the mother's arms when like, they probably had a contract. And also this woman, I, I don't think they just were like, ha and like, just like <laughs> impregnated her like in the dead of night. <laughs> they probably like did fertility treatments and like went to a doctor because they're she was billionaire. She was also compensated. Oh my God, there are so many birds around us. <laughs> what is going on? She was also compensated. But one of the, okay, so one of the other things I want to read is Get out of here. someone said, removing an infant from its safe sensory world and plonking it into an entirely alien new one has the potential for profound damage. Having children is not a right. That's, <laughs> so they're saying, they're saying taking a child from the womb to the outside world has the potential for profound damage, which I would agree no, no, with. No, I wish I was never born. Taking a child from, from its the, mom, from the mom and putting it into a non-mom situation. <laughs> Do they think? Tom Daly, Desolance Blake stole a child from a nursery. <laughs> they snuck into some hospital like, in the UK and were like, ha ha ha. Also, one of my Which least baby favorite. do we want? <laughs> Also, one of my least favorite things is when parents decide what has a long-term effect yeah. on a child. Oh, the moment where they take the baby from the surrogate's arms and put him into traumatizing. Uh, Tom Daly's arms will change the baby's life. As someone who was born, <laughs> I feel I have some authority on this subject. I have to say, the moment that I was taken from my mother's arms and put into the doctor's arms, I don't re recall it. I don't yeah. think it traumatized me. I, I have to say, if someone said to me, like, what are the top 10 things that had the biggest impact on your life? Nowhere on that list would be the moment that I was ripped from my safe <laughs> sensory world and placed in a cruel, unforgiving alien landscape. Which, like, also let's remember that these are two of the most popular
popular British celebrities <laughs> yeah. that aren't actors. Yeah. Also, I just, I can't get enough of this. I think this is the funniest thing in the world. It's so transparent that they have not come for anyone else who uses a surrogate until it's these two very famous gay people. Uh-huh. That they're like, when it was all the straight couples, we were like thinking it, but now's the moment we're going public. And it's not about homophobia. It's just, you bird, you better get out of here. I think this was also, oh, there's one over here too. Oh my God. Ah! I saw the birds too young for this. <laughs> I think that this also comes from, they posted two pictures, one of the baby's feet and one of the baby's head. They were both in both pictures. And so I think it's like these moms that have these like very, I don't even want to say that it's a wing. It's just like an opinion looking at these pictures with no mother involved and being like, well, how could this be? (laughs) That bird just attacked that girl. It fully flew up into her face. You are too close to me, bird. Get out of here. Get away. Oh, do you know what I have to say to all these moms? I'm imagining that all these like mumnet moms are like scrolling through Instagram somehow randomly happen across Tom Daly's page and they're like two dads and a baby and their heads just like explode. How can this be? They're like, how'd they even get the baby? It must be theft. There's no other way. They've seen the first season of Glee and they were like, (laughs) I think stealing babies. But I think that they should all go watch Ryan Murphy's The New Normal, (laughs) which is a good representation of a surrogate with a gay couple and the relationship that is had between them. This is stupid. (laughs) This is stupid. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not here to like judge people's opinions, but if you agree with these moms, unsubscribe. (laughs) I want to just really quickly cover something that you have written down here, which I think is important to address. Bibi Recha. Yeah, Bibi. (laughs) Bibi Recha. And uh, the Drag Race Girls. Bibi Recha. This really confused me because my mission statement for this, or my moral, is I don't know who Bibi is. (laughs) The confusing part was that there is a contestant who won season one of Drag Race and then was on the most recent All-Stars named Bibi. Oh no! So through this whole thing, I was very confused because no one knows how to say her last name so everyone was using BB online. And I was like, why is BB Zahara Bonet? I actually <laughs> and, know who that is. And Aquaria fighting about being known. So no, tell me. So tell I read up happens. all about this so okay. that I knew what I was talking about. So at the Trailblazers Honor on VH1. Oh, yeah, okay. Which was filmed, okay, timeline, after they had filmed the finale of Drag Race, but before it had aired. Okay. So no one knew who won, but we knew who the top four were. The four Drag Race girls introduced BB who apparently is a singer who performed. Basically what happened is, so BB performs, she goes backstage, like gets out of her costume and makeup and is like ready to go home because apparently she wasn't staying for the dinner and goes up to the girls and I guess tries to introduce herself or engage with them in some way. Chronologically, the only person that hugged her is one of my favorite queens, Eureka O'Hara. Then she took to Twitter, BB, and decided to call out the RuPaul girls for being quote, cold classic and was like i met them backstage and i love them so much and i love the show but they were cold and then aquaria who we all know rightfully won took to twitter and was like it was so nice meeting you and like i was so mushy brained that i didn't realize that it was you until a lot later because she was out of makeup and costume and everything love you so much that was it like a very sweet response and then baby was like i love you so much it was just like a real letdown blah 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 and the conversation turned into whose schedule is
is the busiest. <laughs> and then Twitter came in, especially like a Rue girl, their schedules are nuts because they're performing all over the nation and sometimes the world at night and then stay out all night and then have to get on a plane the next day and go to the next city, uh, blah, blah, blah. Me too. And especially the ones that are on press tour, like the four of these girls. So of course, like you can say that at the time of any drag race season airing, the girls that are in the top are some of the most popular queens in like the gay world. Everybody wants to meet them. Everybody wants to be their friend. They were kind of like, sorry that the girl that came up to us with no makeup on and no costume backstage at this place where everybody wants to meet us. We didn't like roll out the red carpet for you. We're a little busy. And then it turned to her being like, well, I'm busy. I'm like a world renowned superstar. And everyone was like, who are you though? <laughs> and then BB eventually dropped out of it and Aquaria posted a string of like 17 tweets. Oh. But it was very nice being like, this is bullshit. Everyone's being stupid. This was one singular incident and someone called us out for it. And then she did throw one Cameron Michaels under the bus and was like, she doesn't really say hi to anybody. So like, no one should take offense to this. It was also backstage. And then they were like, we were not asked to perform. BB was. So we are not taking away BB's fame at all. We're not saying that we're better than her at all. Sorry. And that was it. And for some reason it has Twitter in a rage. I think it's sort of funny that, like, in the world of 2018, it's, like, considered rude for a drag queen to be cold. No one in their right mind ever would have been like, oh, Divine was rude to me, you know? Yeah. There was one tweet that Aquarius said where she was like, people expect drag queens... <laughs> people expect drag queens to not have much money and to be open to everybody and not celebrities, but then you want us to be on TV, you give a celebrity, and then you're like, oh, they're busy and they're tired. Fuck them. It's just another example of the like sort of annoying commodification of drag. So do you remember Teddy Geiger? The last name sounds really familiar. She was, she, so she came out as trans, as trans, but like with no, just like as a trans person with no more details in like October. And she's now an out trans woman. And her first big project post transition is Shawn Mendes's new album. And okay. she and Shawn Mendes are like BFF collaborators forever. I have no opinion on Shawn Mendes or had no opinion on Shawn Mendes until I read this profile of Teddy Geiger. Listen to this quote from Shawn Mendes. Shawn Mendes, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mendes said he would never forget when he unconsciously referred to Teddy as she for the first time in the flow of conversation. Miss Geiger stopped what she was doing, turned around, and, quote, looked at me with an overwhelming amount of happiness and joy beaming out of her eyes. It was right then that everything really made sense to me, Mr. Mendez said. For everybody that ever questions why people may choose to transition, if they had a best friend or somebody they loved dearly, look at them the way Teddy looked at me in that moment. They would no longer question it. To me, he added, Teddy is more her than she's ever been. Isn't that so, like, Sean Mendez is the only ally. I love Sean Mendez. I'm very conflicted with him right now. He's in that area where, like, everyone thinks that he's gay, oh. but he's not. And the internet is now going back on itself being like, we need to stop making fun of him for being closeted because it could be a problem. And he could also just be straight. And he's had to come out multiple times and be like, I am straight and everyone needs to stop talking about it. I thought that was Charlie Puth. Both. <gasps> huh. Well, regardless, having never really thought about Shawn Mendes before now, I stan. Yeah. I think that's a great quote. And I think that's, he's like a cool person with like young people, right? Yeah. Young people like Shawn yeah. Mendes. Stitches. <laughs> Said the you know oldest woman in the world. Oh, my mom likes that song. Yeah. I think it's cool for young people to be reading a Shawn Mendes article and be like, oh. He called a trans person she. Yeah. And great. for a cis person to basically come out and be like, this is why being trans is like cool. I think that's really cool to take that emotional labor off of a trans person. Yeah. So speaking about speaking trans, of trans people, labor. 
Okay. Okay. So this let is, me explain the topic because I, I feel say, like you have a lot to say about this it. Is, I think this is the most important news story of 2018 so far. So, listeners, we're about to start talking about Scarlett Johansson, who I'm going to say is canceled. The worst person. Which, okay, so... She's been canceled. So I read Scarlett Johansson will play trans man in, what is it, Rug and Tug? Rub and Tug, which is yeah. the worst name for movie of all time. Yeah. And I went, oh, no. And then maybe 10 minutes later, I read the article that was like, Scarlett Johansson says. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson speaks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. And then I read it. And then when she listed all of the, like, cis actors that have played trans characters, I was like, great. So let's take a look at this list, shall we? I was shall shaking. We? I was shaking. Okay, so the only one that I was like, you know what? I feel like they cannot be brought into this conversation is everybody. And this is maybe going to start a conversation. (laughs) Any cis actor who has played a trans character in anything, I'd say before a certain year. I agree. No. Yeah. Well, the fact that she like references Felicity Huffman, I think Felicity Huffman just didn't know. Yeah. And even if she did know that wasn't the conversation that was being had at that moment. And the fact that Felicity was in a movie like that at all in that point of the like, what, early 90s, mid 90s, early 2000s, early 2000s in what is it? Trans. America or yeah. Transatlantic Tran- or something. Tran- Transatlantic. <laughs> it's something. It's a road trip movie. To San Francisco exists. However, that's not what we're talking about Felicity Huffman for. Yeah. That's not like Felicity doesn't bring it up in interviews. It's yeah. very much just like a dead movie. Yeah. And I feel the same with like Boys Don't Cry. Like I would love for one of them to say I shouldn't have done that, but if they don't say it, whatever. It's we've moved forward from that. Yeah. But to be like to be like talk to Jeffrey Tambor's agent. Not only. <laughs> Okay, number one, fuck you, Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) Number two, the fact that she deliberately, there are so many cis actors who have played trans characters, and the fact that she deliberately was like, let me pick the one who sexually harassed trans women while playing a trans woman to invoke in my statement about my horrible, horrible listen. This wind. This wind is honestly like the trans spirits being like... (laughs) This is Sylvia Rivera's ghost coming down upon us. Let's all remember that ScarJo has spoken at both DC women's marches. No, she'd listen. During it, she has referenced her past experiences of trauma. However, will not say what happened, which like, fine. Okay, Okay, you don't need to. But has been like, I've been troubled as well during her speeches, which, you know, in front of millions of women, just kind of reads as nothing. On the Jeffrey Tambor thing. That makes it even worse for her to bring up. So get ready for this. Let's take away the mistreatment of trans women with Jeffrey Tambor. Let's forget that that ever happened. Oh, hard, and okay. let's say that she still was like, let's talk to his agent about yeah, this. Yeah, like back when he was good. Let's all remember that speech that he gave when he won that award. Oh, yeah, when he was where like, he was like I want to be the last cis person to ever play a trans person. And then ScarJo playing a trans She's person. Like, talk to Jeffrey Tambor and he will be like, right, so if don't we, do it. If we st- I bet if we still went to Jeffrey Tambor and was like, do you think this is right? Jeffrey Tambor would probably no. say, that's not right. Oh my God. Let me say, I can't think of a single movie I've ever seen Scarlett Johansson in. I can think of so many that you've seen her in. Don John. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rough night. Oh, right. Sure. <laughs> but like, that's just my point. She's so bland. She's so nothing. Up until Ghost in the Shell happened, I thought Scarlett Johansson was like n- between nothing and fine. Then Ghost in the Shell happened. I thought she was between bad and nothing. Now I'm like, what is her deal? I imagine she in her apartment with Colin Jost, I bet she has one of those pull down maps in her kitchen Mm -hmm. and it just has every marginalized identity listed and she's like great asian check (laughs) trans check what can i do next do helen keller's people have a biopic planned and her agent's like oh no (laughs) 
Okay, so here's what I want to introduce to this conversation that I think that people are forgetting. Okay. That a studio still asked her to do the movie. Oh, I agree. I don't think she should be the only one getting in trouble. Because it's not like Scarlett Johansson is writing, directing, and producing this for herself. She is producing it. Uh... Okay, so it's not like she set out to do this. From, you know, context clues, it seems like she was brought on to this project. Right. But I do think if they brought her on and she had been a producer, she could have been like, hmm, I'm a producer. We should not cast me. Well, maybe she became a producer so that she could cast herself. I think that's what happened. Like, I bet someone was like, but that's not a good idea. And she was like, you're fired. And also, have you seen the pictures of the man she's playing? Yeah. Let's not also forget, let's cast this, like, skinny cis woman to play this fat trans guy, which is so... I just, like... I kind of feel like maybe she was like, she's just going for it. She's like, listen, I want to know how far I can get into canceled. She wants to be the first person to be like so severely canceled that she gets run out of Hollywood with sticks. I can't wait to watch the Scar Joe, Catherine Heigl sliding doors remake. Oh my God. Real story of a massage part. First of all, this a movie massage sounds part. insane. It sounds crazy. Um, listen, I don't know this person at all, but the plot of this movie is not what we need right now. It's not. It's just like, oh good, another trans sex worker played by a cis actor. Okay, it looks like I will never be able to find a picture of him. Because it's all pictures of Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. Nice. And Murray Hill, which... Murray Hill would be a great casting choice for this. Okay, so the details of this character are (laughs) TBD. But that's also what sucks is that now this person's whole... It would be so cool to have learned about this person for other reasons. And now we have to learn about him because, like, fucking Scarlett Johansson decides to insert herself into the trans narrative. Also, why didn't Scarlett Johansson say, talk to Elle Fanning's people? Also, my favorite thing is that it wasn't her reps. It was Scarlett Johansson. Like, every article goes out of the way to say it was Scarlett Johansson personally who said, talk to these people. It was not her reps. Her reps were probably like, no. (laughs) It's been what? Two days that no one has been speaking about it. So as right now, as of right now, the movie's still happening. Scarjo is still in it. It's going where it's not like anything with Matt Balmer where they fully filmed it. And then the controversy started. It hasn't even started filming. I can't wait for it to start filming. I can't wait for it it to like not be able to find anyone. It has negative views. Will we be seeing it? Absolutely. (laughs) You know what we should do? Listeners, if you live in New York and you think this is a good idea, let us know. I think we should assemble ourselves and a team of trans panelists Mm -hmm. to watch and live commentate on this movie. Oh, we should with talk like, to Angelica and do like a Q&A. Oh my God, a Q&A. A Q&A, but with us. India Moore tweeted some really good stuff about this. Let's close out by reading India Moore's tweets about this. Just know that listeners, we will be talking about this movie for as long as it's in the we media. We should do weekly. Rub and tug updates. Yeah. <laughs> do you think they'll let us on the set? Oh my God, field reporters. We should go undercover as crew members. Uh, so Rhea Butcher tweeted, the main reason it's wrong in 2018 to cast cis actors as trans characters in two sentences. One, he plays a trans woman. Two, she plays a trans man. Perpetuates the confusion around trans identity, which leads to violence against trans and gender non-conforming people. Okay, thanks. Perfect tweet. Yep, and what I want to just like highlight again is when they are like, why we shouldn't cast them in 2018. Exactly. So India Moore tweeted, when cis women play trans men, you are reducing the existential experience of a trans man as playing dress up cis people cannot tell trans stories don't have the range if they did they would empathize with the reality of how problematic dismissive and fetishizing this is then she comes in with this which made me cry this is no different than able-bodied people playing folk with disabilities and winning awards for it how do you tell a story of gender variant human without involving trans people our experience is far too large and complex to be limited within the confines of the cis imagination hashtag how (laughs) which i love (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm going to end all my tweets. Hashtag how. Y'all fetishizing the trans experience by making this film. You can't create projects about the experience of trans people without using trans people because you are delegitimizing trans people's respect as men and women. Trace Lizette, one of our faves, wants to do like a Hollywood Reporter roundtable with trans actors talking about this issue, mm-hmm. which I think is a great idea. Just to end on a serious note. And we'll moderate. We will moderate. Listen, Hollywood Reporter, call us. Oh, God. So I guess we'll see everybody next week on Monday. Oh, yeah. On Monday, we have a really cool episode coming out. And it's about... Islam. Oh, right. (laughs) It's about queerness in the Islamic faith. We have a really cool interview with a cool guest named Wazina Zundin. And if you want, in the episode description for this, you can go watch Wazina's TED Talk. You can. To get ready for Monday's episode. And reminder, before we go, email us one more thing podcast gmail.com or dm us with your advice questions and we will try and answer them keep a watch on scarjo <laughs> scarjo watch 2018 maybe we'll have scarjo saturdays <gasps> where we celebrate her worst moments <laughs> yeah she's just our new enemy our new- so i guess everybody get ready for tomorrow our first official <laughs> scarjo saturday enemy of the podcast scarlett johansson bye bye oh!